Whether you like it or not, it's a, another edition of the Pete the Planner Show. I'm your host, Pete the Planner. Joining me this week to offer a mild dose of frivolity, mm-hmm. Kristen Alanius and Damien Dunn. Hello, Kristen. Hello, Pete. Hello, Dame. Hey. So, uh, special Thursday edition. The special Thursday edition. Uh, I'm going on vacay or vaca, as they say. No one says that. I'm leaving town, so I will not be here tomorrow. Wait, okay? you're not going to be here tomorrow? Tomorrow. Oh, man, my Friday just started looking a lot better. Uh, Damien, <laughs> I have installed on the new computer we just purchased you tracking software to know when your eyes are upon work. Do you believe that? I don't believe you. Is that, Kristen, is that not one of the worst things that employers have ever considered? So bad. Or like your mouse has to move a certain percent per hour and then people just like tie their mouse to like an oscillating fan or something. (laughs) You know, I will admit, because in the the spirit of transparency of how this show works, occasionally when I see someone is not active on Slack, I'm like, what what are they doing? Right. <laughs> and, but how dumb that is. It's like just because someone's not unproductive on Slack means they're not doing something. That's sort of an absurd assertion. I think I'm going to set my Slack so it's always has, has that empty circle, regardless of what I'm doing. That way you're always just frustrated whenever you look at it. Uh, all right. So this week, uh, another uh, pitch in as they call it, a little potluck episode. We're all bringing topics. Kristen, of course, did not tell us what her topic was um, this week. So we're just going to learn on the fly. Um, I will be the appetizer this week. Um, And then we will go from there. There will be no show next week. Best of luck with whatever everyone else has going on in their lives because I can't help you next week. I'm going to be hooking a fish in the face and then eating it. Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter what kind of fish? Don't care. Okay. I will eat it, and I will hook it in the face. So for all of our PETA followers, clearly I am not PETA the planner. I am a fisherman. Let's begin in three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us like someone did today at askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com, and then here's what happens. Everyone listen. We'll answer your question on the air, or we won't. And by we, I mean Damian Dunn, Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line. Oh, hello, hello. Hello, sorry, you paused. You you threw me off. It was just a breath, Uh, but hello. Uh, And Kristen Alanius, the Director of Education at Your Money Line. Hello, Kristen. Hello, Pete. All right, so I'm just going to get right after it. We've got an international question. I mean, so much so that the question, they're talking about pounds, Ooh. As opposed to dollars. So, Damien, if you could go help uh, pull up a, con- uh, a currency converter, that'd be great. Hi, Pete. I live in the UK, which, Kristen, I believe that is pronounced UK. With my son and daughter, ages 21 and 19. I bought my current home by myself in 2015. Kristen, do you happen to know how years convert to euro? Like 2015, what year is it there? I don't know the conversion rate for that. Following my divorce, I have since took out a second loan on it because I was desperate for a new kitchen and bathroom. For the last couple of years, I have struggled massively. Same. 
Uh, I work full-time and find that once my bills are paid, I have money for groceries for one week, and I limp along until the next payday. There's no money for treats of any kind, or as they would call those in the UK, crisps. Like potato no. chips are called crisps. Come on, come on. <laughs> no. Am I am I wrong? Uh, good treats. joke. Yeah, I, good joke, man. Biscuits, <laughs> pudding. <laughs> uh, as the old joke says, I can be off pudding primarily because I could uh, afford to lose a few pounds off pudding. There is no money for treats of any kind. I cannot afford to get any repairs done. Kristen, did you just laugh at me? Nope. No. I, okay, because I was about to say, my partner wants me to sell and move into his rented apartment to cut down on all my expenses and get my life back. That's nice. I know this is the sensible thing to do. Um, it quite is. The thing that stops me is that I'm 47 with a bad credit rating. My kids still live at home. He would not want them to come with me. There simply isn't any room. Uh, if I sell, I know I will never get back on the property ladder. My house is worth, okay, are you guys ready for this? 206,000 pounds. I owe 111,000 pounds on the mortgage, which I think is roughly like 50 tons. <laughs> Should I sell my house and move in with my boyfriend to help save money and accept the fact that I won't be a property owner any longer? Or should I continue to live paycheck to paycheck? So I can keep my house. Wow, this is an amazing question. So, Kristen. So, Pete. I will begin with you. What's your first like thirty-five thousand foot or like eighty kilometer uh, view of this? What do you think? I would love for moving in together to not be a financially driven decision if we can avoid that. So, if they want to move in together anyway. Can, why are we not exploring the option of the boyfriend, I believe, moving in with the emailer? Because then we get to keep an asset and maybe the kids get to stay and you have some help with expenses. I, I, To me, maybe there's an obvious answer why this wasn't brought up, but that's kind of where mine goes first. Damien, my mind goes to our show is so much better now with Kristen on it. Yeah, entirely. Uh, you know, I, the the one critique I would have uh, was maybe the kids can stay. Where are they going to just put them on the street and give them one of those little hats like they're a newsboy on the corner asking for some some handouts? Please, sir, can I have some porridge? Yeah. Jeez. Um, so I was Tiny Tim in a, in a stage performance of A Christmas Carol, and I could sing a song. I believe I have on the radio before. Dame, um, I... Kristen makes a really good point is you don't want a decision like this specifically to be driven by the financial need. Um, if it doesn't have to be, it, it, you view it the same way. Yeah. I, these sort of decisions are stressful enough and you may be inclined to make a, a, a decision you wouldn't have otherwise just because it relieves the stress in that one area. So in a perfect world, this is something that is uh, decided upon mutually and it's the right time and everybody's happy, but stress like this will sometimes force your hand. And I, it's, it's not probably the, the way I would prefer to see a decision like this made, but sometimes you, you need to. And since I'm standing there, I don't think moving in with the partner is an option at all. If it's going to sacrifice you having to figure out what to do with your kids. So it, there, there has to be an ulterior 
uh, solution. And I think Kristen's come on to a really good one, actually. Kristen, is this the case of he's a six, but he can solve my financial problems? <laughs> he's a nine. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. Um, thank you. Um, I... Man, you know, it's so funny. I'm so glad Kristen started the conversation the way she did there because I'm reading this. I'm a little tired and I'm like, yeah, this is brilliant. Yeah, do it. Like, You get a bunch of cash in the bank. Your your cash flow situation instantly is solved. And sure, you got these pesky hangers on that, that have nowhere to live. You know, like that's my thought. And then, of course, I ignored the fact that like, is their relationship ready to cohabitate? You know, I mean, I've been married with Mrs. Planner for uh, we will be 22 years next Friday um, and she's not ready to cohabitate with me. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of bits of information that we don't know. We don't know how old the kids are. Yes, we so do. My, yes, they're we 21 do. and 19. <laughs> okay, so I missed I missed that part. I was looking up conversion rates at that point of the you conversation. Are. So I've got those ready whenever you want them. Will they even have any money for bad English breakfasts? No. Bangers and mash. Terrible. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, what is, so, Dame, is this a straight no from you? Um, it's not a financial question. Maybe that's it, the answer. It it, uh, it takes on a little bit different complexity when you learn that the kids are 21 and 19. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a second. You thought I was kicking their little kids out? I had no idea. I was like, what are they, like oh, 15 years old? What are they doing? Like, this isn't a consideration. They're 21 and 19. They should be self-sufficient. So wait, you're, you're the assumption you made is, yeah, Kristen's a dog person. doesn't really care for kids. Like yeah. That was the move there. Yeah, I, I was why this was even a question in the first place, but now it makes a lot more sense. Okay, so <laughs> all right. Uh, so, so Kristen, are you a straight no? I am a no on selling the asset to move into the rental. I am a maybe on if they're ready flipping who's moving and maintaining an asset and working on their collective financial health. I mean, any more good financial planning suggests when two people decide to share a life together that you also prepare for the exit. And in selling that property and not being able to become a property owner again, based on a various number of factors, that, that makes me nervous that this is such a final decision to a temporary problem. And we try not to permanently solve temporary issues. I, I don't want to make it seem like uh, going from owning your house to renting is um, a step backwards because sometimes it's not. It certainly can solve a number of problems. And if that's the right solution, just because you don't feel like you'll ever be a homeowner again in the future doesn't mean that this isn't the right path for you. And it's on that note then I'm going to have the world's longest outro. No, I'm just kidding. So, you know, what? again, I, I, I want to illustrate the point here. And I'm serious, Kristen. I'm so glad you're on the show. Like, because uh, Damien and I tend to share the very similar perspective on life, and we don't always think uh, about all the different elements, which is why I think we get so much email saying how much people like you. So, thank you for that. Coming up after the break, we will highlight how much more we like Kristen by letting her choose the topic. It is the uh, pitch in the potluck Midwest special show today, right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. All I could think was 
jokes about England. I, I really couldn't even answer the financial question. I, I will say, I mean, I took the bait right away. I was like, yeah, do it. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're practical. My uh, sister is oh not my nice. gosh. Sisters. <laughs> is this, did you guys sit down and watch the sisterhood of the traveling pants together? No, we you, grew up with the parent trap. Okay. Do you, and yeah, you guys kind of look alike, the, right? Or you did at one point. We have the same face. Yeah. The oh. remake of the parent trap. Uh, good day, Rick Swink. Danza, good to be with you. Uh, and Caitlin, yeah, good to be with you. As well. Okay. Um, do you want to tip us off to the topic at all? Or am I just teeing you up? I, oh, you're just introing the segment coming hot off the intro, mm-hmm. right? Yourself? Probably not. But um, I want to do like on the hot seat with Pete and Dame. Oh, and give yes. examples. You're going to love this. I hope that you disagree some. This will be more fun. Should I use a voice like this when I answer your queries? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um. And I want to talk about the industry recommendation of three to six months of living expenses being in an emergency fund and how that's not helpful at all. And then I want to play a little game called This Is My Life. And um, should I have three or should I have six months? Like which end of the spectrum do you lean on? Uh, Fair. I feel you. Aaron, old friend, how are you? Hope you and your family are well. What was the budgeting software that Kristen... uh, referenced last week's episode. Yeah, you did reference a, a, a budgeting software, but you didn't actually name it. I didn't. I didn't name drop it. So we reviewed a software called Lunch Money um, out of, probably almost two years ago already, Dame. Yeah. And um, I used it for a very long time and got to the point where I thought that I could not use it and I went right back. So I'm a big fan. The only downside is that Lunch Money is web-based only. There's no app for your cell phone but it's called lunch money. You know, they have a similar version here in Carmel, Indiana. It's called brunch money mm-hmm. in three, two, one back on the Pete, the planner show potpourri potluck edition. We talk about whatever the co-host wants to talk about in this segment. It is Kristen's segment. Kristen Alanius, the director of education at your money line, Kristen, what do you bring to the Council of Elders today? Elders. Um, <laughs> well, Dave, Dave and I are much older than you. That's and we, fair. Yeah, we're like yeah. the guys, the Muppets in the balcony. What are those guys' names? Wilford and... Uh, I have no, no? idea. And, yeah, that's I was going to say anyway, Wilford and Brimley, but that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. What do you got, Kristen? So I was thinking this week, um, I was recording some content with one of our financial guides and we started having this conversation about emergency savings and the industry, us included, we're guilty of this too. We tend to make this very blanket recommendation of you should have three to six months of your non-discretionary expenses saved and that should be your emergency fund. And I got to thinking, I'm like, how helpful is that to have a three-month window? Do I need what you've told me or do I need double of what you've told me to be in my emergency fund? So I thought it might be a little fun if I give some examples, just like a few like quantitative data points about a situation, and then for you and Dame to tell me if you lean toward three months of living expenses saved or the six-month end of living expenses saved. Welcome to a little game of three months or six months. 
And okay. before we start, I do not want to make light of the fact that it is very difficult to save three to six months of your living expenses. This is not intended to make anyone feel less than or marginalized, but we do get this question a fair amount on the line and I hear it a decent amount. And I thought anecdotal evidence would be helpful. Um, anyway, example one, I'm a single parent. I have two younger kids, very dependent on me, and I have no support, no child support, no federal assistance of any kind. Do you lean toward three months or do you lean toward six months of emergency savings? Can I have a point of order here, if I may? Sure. And maybe it's your entire point. There's an answer to this, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean it's a realistic answer. Absolutely. And we will... I want to talk about the math too, if we have time before we end the segment. So well, maybe we kick Damien's segment away for the week and we do two for you because this is fascinating because the answer to me is six, mm -hmm. but I find that wholly unrealistic. Dame, what do you think? It's absolutely six, but it will take 15 years to get there. That was exactly my point between the three to six month recommendation is like, even if I'm saving like $300 a month, it's going to take me three years to build up another 10 grand in emergency savings. So, and that would be a 10% recommendation. That's what we would recommend is save an additional 10% of your net income. So to say that it's going to take someone another three years to double their emergency savings account. And then just like the industry saying like, Hey, three to six months, it's like three years or six years. How long is it going to take me to get there? That's kind of the takeaway of the whole segment. As emergency fund recommendations are like the BMI of the financial world. It's sort of antiquated, right, Dame? Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing this doesn't take into consideration is, yeah, we can say, all right, you've got a 36-month track to get there, which is going to be difficult enough as it is. But what's the likelihood that you don't have to dip into that emergency fund over that three-year time period? You could essentially wipe it out multiple times or whatever progress you've made. And you just keep pushing that 36-month window out further and further and further. So while you have developed a really good financial habit in your life, you're not going to be able to achieve that foundational financial goal in your life just because life happens. This is not a helpful comment, but what if your rent goes up? What if the kids want to do travel sports? What if, you know, to, yeah, to Dame's point here, you're you're constantly dipping in just to, to deal with this slight um, inefficiencies of life. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. What's you, your next you, I was going to say, I, I yeah. have more examples. And let's also not forget that there are persons who are truly trying to weigh, like we get questions like that too. It's like, Hey, I have the cash available and I'd like to maybe invest some of this. At what point do I start investing over prioritizing emergency savings? So there are both sides to this as well. So the second example, I'm a dual income house. My kids are school age how many months of living expenses, three or six? I, I go with three, Dame. You can get away with three. Uh, if you're comfortable contemplating a job change, uh, bump it up a little bit, but uh, three. Kristen, what do, I mean, you are apparently you're the, uh, you know, the, the judge of these, what, what's the right answer? Judge, jury, yep. The whole yep. thing. I, I would say three. So I have a third example that, and then I'll talk about why I think three versus six works in these two scenarios, because the other end of this is what if I'm a single income household, but there are two adults who are capable reasonably to, we can reasonably expect that they can find gainful employment, but only one is working. I still think three months is the recommendation there, even though you have one income, because what I like to do is 
in the most simplistic terms is bring this back to how many hours can we reasonably expect our household to be able to devote to finding work. And if you have two, if you have older kids and you have two adults who we can expect to find gainful employment, even though one's working, I still lean towards three. What occurs to me during this segment, and maybe this is the wrong direction to go, is that on some level, we're all doing the best we can. And it is pure luck at times that something doesn't come and knock us off our feet, no matter how prepared you are, no matter what your income is. I mean, you can do the best. You can do sensible things like Kristen is talking about. And, and certainly a lot of people had this level of stability during the early parts of the pandemic to survive it financially. Uh, but for a lot of other people, you know, if both people in the household lose their job and you have three months or even you have six months, it goes away pretty quick. And yeah, I don't, that was a downer, right? This is a guy who needs a vacation comedy. What's the next one, Kristen? Well, and you said something there that I would love to circle back on just a little bit is that like, just kind of like, even like when you're born, the psychology of money is a really good book. And that's one of the principles in that book is just like, when we're born, which you have absolutely no control over, of course, has a can play a huge factor in your financial stability. So that's something to consider too, is just like, maybe you graduated college in 2008. Like that's not your fault. So Does any of this account for the fact that you might be an influencer and that you can just print money with every single post? (laughs) Uh, That's actually example five, but I don't think we'll have time for that. Um, And then the last one, well, I have two more, but we'll only have time for one. Um, If I'm single, but I, and I have no kids, but I am a 100% commission household. Are you ready to mingle or just single? That's just important. Single. Okay, just single, not ready to meet. So you're not prepared for the mingling. There will be no mingling. Okay, so just Netflix, no chill. <laughs> no chill. <laughs> okay. Um, 100% commission. 100% commission, three to seven. Well, I mean, look, I mean, I, I deal with realtors quite a bit um, in the work that we do here. It dealt with a thousand Remax agents last week, right? And so it's like a lot of them fit that profile. I don't know their chill status, but I can say that, I mean, the answer is both, oh man, this is hard. The answer is you need to run your financial life through a commission pool, which is a completely harebrained uh, direction we don't necessarily want to go. But I would say on top of that, if you've done that, the answer is three. If you've not done that, the answer is six. What says the bald man? Thank you, bald man. Uh, I would say that the right answer is actually at least six months. Yeah. Yeah. That one's tough. I mean, I think the hardest thing about being on commission is the good months, not the hard or it's, it's the good months because the good months you are predisposed to spend more or spend the same when in fact, during a good month as you establish yourself, you should superpower your commission pool by spending less than you normally would in a good month, which is nearly impossible to do from a psychological standpoint. But that would be my answer. Kristen, you're the expert here. What would you say? I said six, but maybe even more than that. This was a great segment. Thank you. Segment of the week. Dame, let's see if you're worthy of any praise. We'll do that right after the break. Damien brings his topic. Will we be impressed? Doubtful. I'm Pete the Planner. I'm sorry. Um, you guys want to hear a funny story i don't have time for a lot of funny stories today but this is a short one i was talking to my mother this weekend my mom doesn't typically listen to the show 
Although every time someone's like, hey, I caught your radio show, I always go, oh, we have two listeners, you and my mom. It's like a standard dumb joke. Um, go ahead, Dame. You're going to say something? If you tell me your mom asked if you and I were related. <laughs> I spent some time up in Auburn one year. Um, no, she said, I heard your show. I haven't heard it in a while. She said, um, maybe I didn't know what you were talking about, but I heard a woman on your show did you call her a dame? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, um, no, no, that's not what I did. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, never mind. Not going anywhere down that path. All right, Dame, are you ready to go? Yeah. You want me to bring it in? You want me to do my intro? And, uh, well, sure yes i do um, okay. in three two one back on the pete the planner show you know what thanks for listening to us whether you catch us on the stream which we record every friday at 10 a.m and by every friday at 10 a.m of course i mean every friday at 10 a.m except for today we're not doing it on friday you could be listening to us on radio stations all across the great state of indiana w-i-o-u in Kokomo, WIBC in Indy, WVKI in Knox. Or you could be listening to us on the podcast. If that's where you listen to us, great. Pete, you know what? I realized earlier today, have we ruined Kristen's enjoyment of reviews of podcasts by including her in this podcast going forward? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. How, how are you thinking about that? I don't know if she'll ever look at reviews the same way after having a consistent role on this show. Why? Have you read our reviews recently? No, heavens no. I don't do that. Why would I submit myself to that sort of torture? You absolutely do. What have you read? I haven't read anything. You're smiling. I'm soft. <laughs> uh, don't mean, be mean to me <laughs> uh, okay so during the break and this is a t for radio audience um this is why you gotta listen to the podcast too because during the break i'm going to tell a story about how reviews ruin everything because i don't have time for it now but dame by the way that was a very extra very extra uh intro uh what's your what's your topic this week dame all right so i was scrolling through some social media site and there was an advertisement from fidelity it's a investment company you may have heard of them pete fidelity they have a product uh, that was new to me i don't know when it was actually released called a fid folio a fid folio pete let me explain to you how this works uh, basically you can sign up for this sort of account you pay five dollars a month and you can pick baskets of stocks you can adjust those you can customize them however you want you can pick your own individual stocks outside of these baskets but then you just own individual equities. There's no commission when you buy them. There's no commission when you sell them. They rebalance uh, with a click of a button. So I'm trying to decide if this is a good idea. This is interesting. For the average investor versus mutual funds and ETFs, that sort of portfolio, the what I would refer to as a more traditional type, common type portfolio, or do we think the average investor would be better suited by having more control over um, each individual component of their portfolio, whether they want to go super tech heavy in, in just stocks in that area and then supplement it with some other stuff? Or 
you know, whatever categories. I mean, there's dozens and dozens. 5G future connectivity, REITs, fintech, clean energy, cybersecurity, digital health. It goes on and on and on. It gets pretty narrowly focused in these areas. And I think that's a big potential danger for the average investor. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't want to tip my hand here, but Kristen, this is a pretty good segment too. <laughs> this, is, okay, this is fascinating. I, I've never heard of such a thing. Um, I got to think this is like shaving with a straight razor though, right? Like it's a good idea until it's not and very few people can pull it off effectively. Um, I don't, man, I'm, I'm on the fence here because I think that'd be really interesting and uh, useful for an expert amateur investor. But for the rest of us, uh, I think it's a recipe for disaster. Kristen, you feel differently than that? I'm trying to understand, and I hope that there's a listener that I'm going to help with this. I'm not really understanding how this is that much different from our favorite investing app. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's completely different because you're not choosing the individual positions to put into it. So So you're investing in indexes, but they're sector specific? Not indexes. They're individual equities. So they're saying, all right, if you want to invest in cybersecurity, here are, I I have no idea. I'm just going to pick a random number. Here are six companies that you're going to get invested into if you choose you want the cybersecurity basket. Now you can adjust those if you want. If you get in there and you say, you know what, I don't like this company and this company, you can kick them out and you can add your own. So these are basically suggestions for you to get um, very, very specific exposure to different thematic models. Those are Fidelity's words, not mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is innovative. I, I, I mean, I don't want to be too critical. Um, it, it's it's super innovative. How are they making any money? Because they're not... How's Fidelity making five money? Bucks? Five bucks a month. Five bucks a month. 60 bucks. Yeah. I, there, there's, there's nothing there. You can invest as, as little as a dollar per stock is, is what it says right here on the website that I'm looking at. I... I don't know how they are. So there's no management fees other than that. No way. I think we're doing a commercial for it. Fine print here. Sell orders are subject to an activity assessment fee from one cent to three cent per thousand dollars of principal. Oh, well. Uh, So the, it's still a designated basket of, equities right it's not like i want to be in cybersecurity. they give you six and you're like well i actually like the seventh one that's not in there you can't do that it can only be the the designated six you absolutely can because you can you can have as many baskets as you want you can uh supplement them with whatever in equities you want on top of that oh it's so, suggestions is, is what it seems like Tell me how this is different from our favorite investment app because if you search by sector, they tell you what other people are buying. So do is they it, still do that, or do they, do they cancel that? They do. So I don't. I guess I'm truly not understanding how it's different if it's customizable, and maybe I'm. Maybe this is too critical. I kind of hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like it. <laughs> Can you kind of hate something? Kind of hate it. It's like moderate modifier, earth on fire. I kind of hate it. And here's why I kind of hate it 
is because I'm, I'm sorry. Like I'm all about behavioral finance. The longer I'm going to be on the show, the more you're going to know that that's what I'm into. And I don't think I hate this for the individual investor. Um, but the other thing too is Morningstar, some CFA from Morningstar did this big, um, analysis of mutual funds from 2010 to 2020 and mutual funds only beat their index. Like one out of four times. So if the professionals aren't beating an index, like why are we putting the extra work to do this? Just like for me, this is for me, this is not investment advice. I'm just S and P like, I just, I, I don't like it. Dame. She kind of hates it. You're the, she kind of hates it. You're the final <laughs> ruling here. What do you think? I think there's a, uh, this feels more risky and dangerous to me because I, I think it's, encouraging transactional behavior. Good point. Um, if if we take the stance on the, the sort of inv- uh, investment behavior that we want, uh, we, we encourage people to have, buy and hold, uh, add to positions, whether it's an up market, whether it's a down market, you keep doing your thing, you make sure those contributions are going in on a regular basis, and things will most likely work out okay. It's when you start trying to outsmart the room is when you get in trouble. And I think I, I really feel like this is a very interesting concept, but it's going to be misused to the detriment of the the investor. You know how I know you're right about this is that if you bought and hold like we want you to generally, you're paying $60 a year to just hold investments which makes no sense. The, the idea that you are paying a fee, even though it's a low fee, makes you feel like you got to get some value out of that fee so you're probably more apt to trade. That is, my, that is my gut. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Wow. Look at that. Fantastic. Uh, you know, I, you got to think, to Kristen's point, this is inspired by Robinhood, right? Yes. Sure. I mean... There was a, another company called Motif that did something really similar a while back, but I don't think it really got traction. This is the next evolution of that. There was a site back in the day, briefly, called Loyal3, where you could buy fractional shares for free of consumer brands. I used to buy my kids' stocks all the time through it, and then they got acquired or went out of business or something, but no one cares. Speaking of out of business, will this next company be out of business with the biggest waste of money of the week? Well... By the way, is this the third segment, everybody? Yeah. Okay, good. You'll find out next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. The show's been going fast, so I didn't know if this really was the... uh, You guys want to hear a story about reviews ruining things? Mm -hmm. Yes. But in retrospect, I think we made the right decision. Damon knows the story. Dame, Damien, Damon. (laughs) Whatever. Um, Steve, he knows the story. Kristen, did you know that my daughter, Ollie, when she was... Uh, six years old had a podcast no not surprised and at one point in time it was the seventh most downloaded podcast in the world is that true that is true and it's a really long story that is mildly interesting but here's the end of the story. Um, it was just, a, it was a moment for Ollie and I to spend time together, just have some fun, 
have her do an experience that no other kid's really doing and not to give her privilege, but just to do something fun with your kid that someday you listen back to and you laugh. And so the show was rough, but it was meant to be rough. I produced it to be rough. I, I had her host it. I was the sidekick. Like, as she, whatever direction she went, it's a six-year-old going crazy on it. <laughs> the show was entertaining. Like, I mean, I know what I'm talking about. It was pretty good. <laughs> but what started happening was it was getting featured consistently. And so all of these people want to see what's going on. They find it. They don't have the context of what's going on or they choose to ignore the context. And mm-hmm. so they start leaving these just awful reviews. That's terrible. That are just like so off kilter. And so we just ended the show because it was just, it just made no sense to subject a six year old -old. to this criticism. And the people would say, well, you should have never done it in the first place. And that's where I disagree because then I have to assume that the world is a horrible place that I never can enjoy a a moment with her. Um, Anyway, it is a much more complex story than that. Um, but that was the end result of reading reviews and having it ruin the show. So Kristen, do not read our reviews. I'm telling you, I can't because I'm soft. I'll be very upset. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm reading reviews right now on the air. No. You know, you know, Pete, yeah. if, if you hadn't done that with Ollie though, she won't be able to make her Chappelle like return eventually. <laughs> oh, I hopefully it doesn't go like Chappelle's. <laughs> um, let's see what we've got here. Pete the Planner Show. I have not, I don't really particularly care about reviews. So we are going to see what we got. Um, oh boy, here it is. Is this it? Is that our logo? People love this. Um, it's not our logo. Oh, there it is. <laughs> reviews. Oh, 4.6 stars out That's of five. 4.9 on Spotify. Okay. Last. Uh, review we've received that was a written review that just wasn't stars. There was 223 rating, 223 ratings. This is on iTunes. Uh, no nonsense, but also I don't know what it said. It says uh, five stars. I've learned everything I know about finance by teaching myself, mostly using Pete the Planner through his. Oh, we don't need to stroke me. Uh, sort of. <laughs> we don't need this. Okay, right, let's read it. Let's, let's read get to the gut punch. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. One year or more. Okay. Here we go. Two stars, brag less, coach more. Pete spends more time bragging about his financial situation versus giving practical real-life advice. Be more self-aware, clown. (laughs) This is Um, like celebrities read mean tweets. (laughs) This is good. Yeah, so, I mean, Dame, I actually remember getting that one and you and I talking about it and trying to Mm -hmm. be self-aware because normally when you get a review like that, you're just, you're like, that's not true. But but what I've learned is it's like, if it hurts that bad, you got to think through it. And you're like, is that what we do? And I hope not. I mean, it's for others to say, but I I don't really feel like I talk about my financial situation that much. Well, sometimes people are just awful though. Dame's like, Oh, you talk about your financial situation all the time. (laughs) I, I didn't even come close to saying that out loud. Anyway, so if you want to leave a review on the show, please do so. Um, uh, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, and be really gentle to Kristen. Please. (laughs) All right, let's get back to the show. I do um, have, unfortunately, some time constraints. Jeremiah. (laughs) 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 Okay, um, here we go. In, uh, I always get nervous. 
Um, okay. Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is Porsche and pretty cool ice cream pops. Dame, how did we, what do you say when it's a collaboration? Collab? No, it's Porsche X pretty cool ice cream pops. Do you remember that? Oh, no. Isn't it just buy? Um, buy. Okay. Porsche buy pretty cool ice cream pops. National Ice Cream Day celebrates the ubiquitous, great word, frozen treat. And Porsche, or Porsche, what do you say, Dame? Porsche. Porsche got in on the festivities with an unlikely collaboration. Pretty cool ice cream located in Chicago. Is that right? Uh, created five ice cream pops based on Porsche's paint-to-sample custom color palette. The result was mint green, mint cookies and cream flavor with mint green white chocolate shell, strawberry red, a cream cheese flavor with real strawberries dipped in a red shell, macadamia metallic, roasted macadamia ice cream in a sparkling macadamia metallic shell, frozen berry metallic, black raspberry coated in a sparkling ruby shell, and finally, lime gold metallic key lime pie in a gold-colored caramel shell. The pops are available in the Chicago area, which plans to offer them at a Porsche event later in 2022. Dame, I'm going to just put it to you. Is this a waste of money or is this pretty cool? I, I think the packaging is pretty cool, but it's a waste of money. So is the ice cream. Okay. Pretty cool. It's yeah. Okay. Frozen oh treat. boy. Yeah. Um, can I, and I, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news here. I when you say bearer, I think you really have to over pronunciate it. Uh, uh, ooh, over bearer. Um, I actually don't know how much these cost. <laughs> like, <what> I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, Dane, what's in the news this week? Social Security recipients could see the largest increase to their checks in decades next year. Even so, for many retirees, the bump in their annual cost of living adjustment won't be enough to shield them from the pain of sharply rising prices, experts say. Monthly benefits for retirees could rise 10.5% in 2023, according to a recent analysis by the Senior Citizens League, a nonpartisan senior group. That would amount to a $175 increase to the average payment of $1,668. Meanwhile, the Nonprofit Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget reports the benefit bump for seniors could actually be as high as 11.4% if inflation remains at its current clip. To be sure, these are both just estimates for now, and the actual hike will likely depend on the rate at which prices rise in the coming months. That would be really helpful. I mean, that's remarkable. And Kristen, is it worth noting that this will probably drain the Social Security fund faster than ever before? I was just going to say, it's fine. SSA can afford it. Yeah, Make I mean, 15. I'm not critical of the decision to do this because I think no. it's going to help a lot of people on fixed income. Uh, but there's a consequence to it as well. Yep. That's exactly how I feel. In principle, I love the idea, but can the system afford it? The system, because last year's hike was like the largest in history, right? And it was like, was it like six? Yeah, it I was, it was yeah. substantially lower, but it might've been the largest in history, yes. Can I ask an oversimplified political question and expect a oversimplified answer? Never. Sure. Dame, this is going to you then. <laughs> Occasionally you'll hear, so-and-so wants to get rid of your social security. Okay, and, and so- 
you hear that and it's supposed to be a criticism or it is a criticism of the person they're levying it on. And what I don't ever understand, and I'm hoping you understand this, is A, has the person come outright and said that? B, is, is it that a person making that assertion just assumes what that person wants? And, and C, let's say that that's true and the person doesn't does want to get rid of your social security that would seem like it'd be really hard to get elected if that was your actual position. Now, fixing social security is one thing, get rid of it, getting rid of it after people have paid into it seems like a non-starter. What am I missing every time I hear that criticism? Um, some insanity in your life because I, I don't think th that claim over almost any other one really doesn't resonate with me. And it's a, a scare tactics, pure and simple because I don't know how that actually comes to fruition. I mean, if somebody says that they want to um, try and reasonably re uh, refigure how Social Security is is done in this country, I'm sure somebody would say, "Oh, they they don't care how you you get your Social Security right now, and they want to change everything." Well, they might want to change it so it actually lasts longer at the current <laughs> rate. So, I, I take every bit of political grandstanding with a tub of salt. Uh, and basically ignore it all. Because on most issues, I mean, you could say issues are 50-50, but that's generally not true. They're, they're 60-40, 70-30. But, Dame, I mean, where, how many people are lining up on the other side of this one? No, exactly. Nobody is standing up at a podium saying, I'm taking it away. Now, if you want to get into uh, the privatization aspect... Different, different the, thing. Yeah. Different thing, but... I don't think anybody is advocating, nor have I heard anybody advocate at least for just removal of social security benefits. What else is in the news? Senator Elizabeth Warren, along with 22 Democratic lawmakers, want to save millions of Americans time and money by pushing the IRS to create its own free tax filing service. But some tax professionals say it's not a realistic plan for the overburdened agency. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I fear an administrative nightmare, says Phyllis Joe Kuby of New York. She's an enrolled agent uh, there. But the Senate bill no, uh, known as the Tax Filing Simplification Act directs the IRS to create a free online service allowing Americans to file taxes directly with the agency. Kristen, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Isn't there a free file program already available? Yes. Yes, there is. And although roughly 70% of Americans are eligible for IRS free file, Pete, do you want to guess how many Americans used IRS free file last year? Uh, do you want a number or do you want a percentage? Percentage. 1%. Uh, Kristen, 3% is the correct answer. 3% of taxpayers used the service during the 2020 tax season, according to the U.S. Government Accountability Office. The bill also aims to allow eligible taxpayers to choose a return-free option, providing a pre-populated filing with the tax bill or refund already calculated, helping ensure that you miss out on some much-needed <laughs> credits and deductions. Man. Here's my thing. At the, at the risk of sounding a little political and stepping up on my soapbox a little bit, maybe we could just teach people how to fill out a 1040 in school instead. That'd be pretty cool. And then we could just fill out our own 1040s. You're saying learning all the state capitals and names of dinosaurs is is not as important as... 
I mean, exactly. they're right up there. They, they're pretty close, but I do think that squeaking in a little bit of 1040 curriculum couldn't hurt anybody. It's hard to argue that. You know what occurred to me? And this is uh, on all of our wheelhouse. And I also I don't know what I'm talking about. But don't you think upon teachers graduating from college, the very last thing that should occur, assuming they're still going to class, because I didn't go to class my last semester of college, is that they tell them how to properly and immediately fill out public service loan forgiveness forms. Wouldn't you think that that would have to be a thing? Kristen, is that a thing? There's a joke there, and I won't make it on the air, but it would be nice, yes. Oh my God. Now I want to know the joke. Now I know how other Listen people to the feel. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're making the joke when we get off the air. Okay. Oh, um, that's it for this week. I mean, that's it. That is all we got. There's no show next week. And so here's what I want people to do. I want you to find a young person Just stick with me for a second. <laughs> I, stick with me. And I want you to take them fishing. Now, ideally I want you to know this young person and their family. <laughs> then, then take them fishing. If you see a young person that you do not know and you think, I want to take that person fishing, do not do that. But take a young person fishing next week and we're not on the air. Does that seem like a good plan, Kristen? Yes. Dame, moderately good plan? Hard to find fault. Yes. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm taking a break. I'm sending uh, all you, all the good vibes, because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and I'll see you another time. I might have to go in like three minutes. Tell your story, Kristen, your joke. Well, I mean, in order for there to be a class that teaches you about PSLF, that would require the Department of Ed or one of their servicers to fully understand the program. And I would like that to happen first. When's your late night show uh, <laughs> begin? It's <laughs> quite the joke. Isn't it? I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in for the reviews. <laughs> I meant the servicers are <laughs> That is so funny. How do you do it? It's so funny. <clears throat> Not hey, good. Um, I got to go. Um, Kristen, I don't know if I'm going to talk to you uh, before. Actually, I got, I'm going to. Nah, I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Dame, uh, you and I do have to connect later today. Do we have to? No, we don't, but I feel bad <laughs> if we didn't. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, everyone else, stay getting money.